Hi, I'm Dan Wilton, the CEO of First Mining Gold. First Mining is advancing two multi-million ounce deposits in Canada, the Spring Pole deposit in Ontario, uh, which is moving through feasibility and environmental assessment, and the very exciting Duparquet Gold Project in the province of Quebec, where we are right now. We are. Where are you from? Well, uh, not quite. A place uh, near and dear to my heart, Quebec City. Mm. When you, you didn't you do some sort of student period? I did. I uh, came here to learn French in uh, in between my second and third year of university, and uh, misspent a fantastic few months in this city. So, yeah, it's a stunning city. Yeah, everyone should. If you haven't been, come here. Yeah, for sure. And um, right, we we've just been on stage. Yeah. Okay. We had, we had a kind of good chat. You got fifteen minutes. Blast it. Get get through the tough tough issues really really quickly. Um, to what is eager listeners, a lot of investors here. Yeah, you're here to what? What will success look like for you at the end of this conference? What would you need to? Well, I think for us, uh, there is uh, with Duparquet advancing, there's still very little understanding and awareness amongst investors who aren't already first mining investors mm -hmm. of what we're doing at Duparquet. And the reality is, uh, you know, that understanding is far behind uh, the work that's actually being done. Like yeah. the fact that we have a PEA coming out on Duparquet at the yeah. end of the summer, you know, we're drilling there right now, expecting to start having drill results we can start talking about over the course of the next month. Like this is one of the largest undeveloped gold projects. And I think the trajectory we see in terms of the opportunity to grow the gold resource here is Let's break it down then. Yeah. You, you, you make an interesting point because you've got existing shareholders will be looking, they'll understand the moving parts, right? In terms of the two, two assets, the size of those assets, the size of the opportunity. But they'll be pointing at panning. What have you done? When's it going to happen? Why hasn't it happened? Right. So yeah. the answer to that is it's in process, it's on schedule. But what or, do you mean? Do you, you like make an application? Yeah. Sit back for two years and wait. But wait. <laughs> I was, if only it was that uh, that easy, you know? You just drop it in, and then they hand you the permits after they do the work. That's kind of how it feels like, because people don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a very active process of engagement with regulators. So, you know, you got to keep in mind, we started this process in 2018. And we're maybe, you know, a little bit uh, behind because of some of the slowdowns during COVID and being in that process. And we're a little bit behind like the fastest possible schedule because we really rebooted that effort kind of at the end of 2020 when we brought on Steve Lines, our VP Environment yeah. Community Relations, and had a much more uh, realistic uh, and pragmatic understanding of how you go through that. So that led to us completing, you know, the terms of reference for that project provincially in uh, late 2021, and then filing a draft environmental assessment mm -hmm while doing a bunch of baseline work, uh, filing a draft environmental assessment about a year ago. So that goes in to all the regulators. They review it like they would a final EA. Uh, they give you comments back on it. And so we've now received in total about 1,200 comments on the project. We've now responded to those 1,200 comments and you start narrowing those down to a little bit of the back and forth on you know comment response. So nothing out of the ordinary. This is sort of what happens in all of these processes. Just a lot of times, like you, you don't have to submit this as a draft. Yeah. So a lot of people say, oh, we're preparing our EA, then we're just gonna submit the final EA and work through this 
in that final EA process. And the difference with going through it in the draft mm. is that by the time the final gets filed, you've answered everyone's questions. And then they're less likely to stop the clock on you. Whereas if you just file it as a final EA and do all of that comment response in the EA process, every time they hand you back something, they stop the clock. Right. So that's very binary. The route that you've gone there. So the the yes, the other route. Yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, look, we've got multiple streams doing it at any one time with conversations going backwards and forth to answer their questions. Correct. Not necessarily concerns, but questions. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Understand that. So, so for your existing shareholders, you go, we're on it. We're working on it all the time. Yeah. And we're advancing it in the in the quickest possible way, given the con constraints of covers and other things. Which yeah. Meant. I think quickest possible, listen, there's there maybe a bit of a quicker way, perhaps. I think this is the lowest risk way to go through. Okay. And it's very important, right? Because when you have a project like Springpool where people yeah. just perceive permitting risk, the reality is we've now seen all of the comments from the regulators, right? right? So there's still more to discuss, but nothing surprising is looking making there. Okay. Yeah. So Okay, there's some comfort in that. Yeah, this is not a, we're filling it, full filling here. Yeah. There's a process, I think. Yeah. The second thing that I, I guess maybe in the other camp of not sure was the people looking and thinking, well, could I invest in this? Because we've got two pretty big assets. Here, yeah. Right. And, and I want to talk to you a second about where that puts you in, in terms of your peers. But non sure was looking at this guy, well, okay, good, Karanik, okay, it takes time. Right. But we, we had to mine our lakes. Now, you and I talked about this and yeah. like, your, your CEO kind of came on and said, well, here's how we do it. Here's how I've done it in the past. Here's yeah. the team who've done it in the past. But by the way, they work here. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's, it was funny. It's funny a session. But yeah. let me just reiterate again uh, for people who are looking in and may have got concern, may be hearing that narrative and maybe concern, you know, think, well, I don't know. Yeah, well, listen, I, you know, I heard this statistic from uh, someone who has been at IM Gold for many of the last few years uh, last night that at the Cote Lake project, which used to be called the Cote Lake project, in which they were actually the entire pit consumes Cote Lake, uh, they had to build 11 dikes right. and dewater a bunch of different ore bodies in order to have that open pit mine. No one ever said, oh, you're never going to be able to get there on that one. Spring pole, we've seen it, right? We're building two dikes, kilometer long. Mm. Uh, average height is about five meters. Deepest height is about 14 meters. Um, and it's something that can probably be built in two to three months in a construction schedule. So when you really just have to take a step back, that concern always comes from, A, is it technically feasible to do it? And I think we can say... Without question, it's technically feasible. B, is it something that's permittable? Has it been done before in Canada? The answer is not just for mining projects, but if you look in every type of project that involves damming rivers or lakes, uh, this is there's we're not making any precedent here mm. at all. So from a regulator's perspective, like they get it. The question is you know, what are the offsets that you have to manage as you go through? Well, one of the things you know, so in terms of the time frame there, yeah. suggests that perhaps doesn't cost too much money either. Because I think there's something, yeah, some people, you know, hear that, oh, some really like um, narrative, and they go, so they got to they go under a lake. Well, yeah, they should under a lake. 
underground mining is expensive. Do you know what I mean? It's, I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. this sounds a bit naive, but that's a concept. No, that's yeah, no, that's exactly. You're not doing that. We're not. You're basically damming it up. Yeah. Do water. So to, to take the water out. Yeah. Mining astronomical. So what was that doing? Like, do the cost structure for you? So that's just it. You know, the actual building of the dams uh, in our pre-feasibility study, I think the building of the dams and dewatering was about $25 million US, let's say. Okay. So that $25 million, just to put it in context, let's for round numbers, let's say it's a hundred million ton ore body. And Springpole had about, uh, you know, call it 2.2, 2.3 to one strip ratio. So in total, you're moving, uh, call it 250. I think our, our co-disposal facility ultimately looks like 300 million tons of waste plus tailings. That 300 million tons, typically you move that rock, it'll be somewhere between two and three dollars a ton. So that 30 million dollars, let's say, would be roughly 10 million tons. Okay. 10 million on top of you know, 200 million of waste. If you're thinking about it in sort of the equivalent bust. So if our strip ratio went from 2.4 to 2.5, it's still a very low strip ratio, right? Like the economic impact versus other things you'd need to do in a, in a more conventional open pit mine that didn't have to move the water. Like moving that volume of water is a lot cheaper than moving the same volume of rock. So economically it is, that's the least of the, uh, of the considerations here is the economics. Like it's, it works just fine. So we're, 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 we're good technically. Yeah. Financially it makes sense. Not, a, it doesn't significantly add to the OPEX ongoing. Correct. Or CAPEX up front. Yep. Okay. And um, I guess then it comes down to timing. Yep. Of, of the current, which we talked about. You're yep. aiming. Mid-2025 approval. So submitting the final EA middle of next year, mm -hmm. and then it's about a 12-month process. And the key is, having spent two years going through the draft process, yep. when you submit the final you're a lot more likely that people are going to hold timelines because no one's seeing it for the first time. Not a surprise. It's in the yeah. Actual, and, and the other thing that, that, that people <laughs> don't particularly understand, unless you're following this, is that this is the next major gold project in Ontario to be permitted, right? Okay. But then, because again, let's look, I want to look at that in the context of what my options as an investor are. Yeah. And where you position yourself. So yeah. they're big. Yeah. If you'll go, next thing is that, Great, be great. Yeah. So there must be much higher grade projects out there. Ready to go, I will tell you, open pit mines in Canada. Let's take start with Duparquet, mm -hmm. right? Duparquet is about uh, one point five grams M and I. It's about two thirds of the resource, uh, and about uh, one point one gram inferred. For about a third of it, blend that. Let's call it 1.35. Mm -hmm. um, we're working on the PEA right now, so we're starting to see that there is some grade sensitivity. You can feed higher grade to that plant for a few years, mm -hmm. which is helpful. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, other than hard rock, that would be by 50% one of the highest grade open pit mines in Canada. Like most of the ones being built now, Cote. 0.8, 0.9, mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, Malartic was one, Detour is 0 0.8, 0 0.9. Um, uh, Magino, I think, is a little bit higher on the smaller tonnage, but on the bigger tonnage, it's about one gram. These one gram ore bodies, which, listen, when I started in 2019, everyone said, hey, you know, why does the world need another one gram ore body in Ontario? It's never going to get built. Like, this one's too hard. It's never going to get built. Um, and by the way, they were never going to build Cote. They were never going to build Magino. They're never going to build Hard Rock. They're never going to build, you know, Rainy River was a disaster. Detour is a disaster. Like, oh, look at what happened at Detour. It's a terrible mine. Well, now it's the cornerstone asset in Agnico, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a big, low-grade mine with a strip that's significantly higher. Okay, well, again, yeah. I'm trying to make this more accessible to yeah. people new to mine and new to... Uh, all of these variables. Yeah, use is the only to look at. So I'm starting economics. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying, look at all the people. Look at all of those examples of low low grade mines, right? So we're really talking about the contained metal. Yeah. And access to contained metal economically. Yeah. With the right structure of all body. So we're not like ch chasing it. Um, and that's why great. It's just one of the variables that you guys look at to work out. It's a really important measure is looking at what you'd call like a strip adjusted grade. So you can't just say this, this ore body is, you know, one and this ore body's 0.8 uh, because this ore body, you might have to move one ton of rock to get every ton of ore. And this ore body, most of these ones in Canada tend to have strip ratios between four and six. So spring pole uh, will be sub three. Uh, the PFS, it was like 2.2. Du Parquet will be higher. And just the nature and, and structure of the ore body, Du Parquet will be higher, uh, probably something in that five to six range is sort of what we're seeing now. But again, it's got 50% higher grade, right? So you do have to kind of look at it on a, you know, to put them on balance, it's a recovered uh, you know, recoverable grade strip adjusted. And that's why you kind of have to look at the overall economics of these things too. Right. Yeah. So hopefully people understand that a little bit better about yeah. what the opportunity is in front of you. You ready with cash? We've got a bunch of cash, right? Yeah, we've got, uh, call it seven on the balance sheet now. And with marketable securities and other kind of project interests, and, you know, we need to continue to work hard at finding value for some of those. Uh, we've done a lot to put cash on the balance sheet without diluting shareholders over the last couple of years between, you know, the deals that we'd done with Oteco and we're able to monetize some of those Oteco shares. We've sold a basket of royalties for a total of about $17 million and still have, you know, non-core non royalties yeah, okay. uh, and still have shares and uh, project interests and um, still some room on Duparquet and on Springpool potentially to look at at uh, taking another royalty financing that could be, I think, sizable enough to get us to the to the finish line. I guess one of the that is saying, well, it's lots of serious kind of like talk talk a good game, right? But if we look at what the competition actually is in terms of assets, which are going to actually get into production, that's what um, the industry guys are looking at. That's what you know, M and A activity is built on, uh, not market momentum or, or headlines that you guys write. So yeah. When, when we look at the sort of 10 or 12 kind of bigger projects in, yeah. in, in Canada, or well, in North America, not 
possibly and get on the way to get into production? I think yeah, I think you've got six or seven in construction right now. Right, so in terms of the best of the rest, yeah. you consider yourself in there? I think not just consider ourselves in there. I think objectively when you look at the, uh, you, you look at the stats, the spring pole is one of the next of those projects to get permitted. I think you have spring pole and Skeena kind of about the same time should be through environmental assessment ahead of the rest. And then there's a wide gulf between there. Uh, you know, Kinross is talking about having Great Bear, you know, permitted by 2030, which be admirable if they can do that. Uh, and they have the resources to throw at it to make sure that, you know, you have the baseline data and you keep the timeframes. But it's, you know, it's significant. And this is all a result of the industry having not invested in these projects really since kind of 2011, 2012 was the last time that, you know, real development projects were important. So as I see the M&A market playing out, you have a bunch of these projects being built right now. These projects being built right now, I think they demonstrate that they work or if they stumble in commissioning, which sometimes mm -hmm. happens, uh, that's going to provide an opportunity that someone's going to say, oh, the capital's all been spent. I can buy it for cheap, right? I think you'll see that with, you know, some of the Argonauts and maybe I am gold. Like they're, 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 if they're successful, there will be re-rating opportunities or consolidation opportunities in the ones that will produce sooner because this is a robust gold price environment that we're in right now. Yeah. And then it's at some point getting to be a massive game of musical chairs where there really are not that many sizable development opportunities in Canada that can produce 200,000 ounces plus a year. Very, very few of those. And we, in first mining, have two, uh, you know, two of, certainly two of the top 10. When I say two of the top, you know, six or seven, I think you could probably make that argument. And the other thing is that ours, with the exploration potential that we have, we know that what we see today is really just the starting point. Yeah, I was going to come on to that, but it also makes sense not to go too crazy on that expression, but because you don't blow through your available capital, available capital yeah, optionality to you. Am I right? Yeah, I, I think I think it's sort of maybe it's conversation for another time in terms of the way that big companies view these types of acquisitions. You know, historically they've kind of come at peak and overpaid. Um, now they need to get better deals. Um, now they, because of that, then they can sooner rather than later. They may be getting better deals, but are they doing the better deals? There is fault. They're not. We don't. We haven't seen the momentum really turn on there. Yeah. Uh, they're always, uh, at least in our experience, uh, there are very few who are in a hurry to take any permitting risk. So they're quite happy to sit and wait and pay more once you get to real permitting milestones. Um, but no, at some point, you know, you see that propensity to wait turn into a propensity to transact. And that is all the scarcity value around sizable deposits. Well, that's what I'm saying. I enter the CEO, well, so CFO of, of Kindness Harney, the old Tubonic market company, they lead 1950 gold to break even. Okay. 1950. That's hard. That's what they need to sell it for, right? So that's really tough. Uh, Ron said they obviously have been furiously working in the background trying to you know, find other projects and assets to develop on their own. But, or they 
so they go perhaps make more sense so actually can i make an acquisition and like it like this to fill that gap because that's so there's a there's a there's a gap there yep. between wanting it to happen coming into production so yep. i think there'll be a few back bit of few battling exercises coming it, it yeah, and part of it is having some visibility in the time frame of your own development pipeline. So um, when you look at, you know, large cap gold miners and their own, you know, it's more kind of optimization around the existing projects. There aren't many new builds that they're doing. They've outsourced that to developers really over the course of the last, or to mid-tier companies over the course of the last five years. And they're quite happy to wait and see these things come. And then, you know, they say they're not going to act pro-cyclically. They say they're going to buy things at the bottom this time. But Kinross pays $1.8 for a Great Bear, which I think is a great ore body. But that's a group with a bit of vision as to what that's going to do for them in seven or eight years. A few other companies need a bit more of that vision, right? They need to be able to say, well... Yeah, I can see how this development pipeline can, uh, you know, really position me differently on the back half of this decade. And that's the biggest issue is that most of them are not getting rewarded by their own shareholders. And they have their own shareholders basically saying, well, you should be returning capital to me. Like, do more share buybacks, do more special dividends, like pay down your debt, but don't don't go buy anything or don't build anything. But then they're going to wake up one day three years from now when their reserve life is going to be three years shorter, uh, maybe two and a half because they've had some exploration success. And it's just going to add fuel to the fire of the great game of musical chairs when you've got 15 companies that need to grow and five or six assets in Canada that can actually fit the size and scale. So we've always said, like from the, from the first time I got here in 2019... You know, not to be too Canadian with my analogies, but the great Wayne Gretzky always used to talk about how you need to skate to where the puck's going to be, right? So we are skating to have these projects ready at the time when the industry is going to need them the most. And that's this great uh, gap in productive capacity in this industry that is starting to show up now. But I'll tell you, when you get to 2025, 2026, and there is nothing to build because there's going to be nothing to build beyond us. Like we know permitting timeframes are, they're getting longer, not shorter. The uh, province of Ontario is doing a good job to try and condense it. But, you know, I, I don't think I would bet that they're going to get much shorter. And, uh, you know, we're so far advanced in that, that again, this is a project that that spring pole, we think we're going to have ready in that critical timeframe when people need it the most. Mm -hmm. There you go. My pleasure.